Today you're in for a, uh, what someone called a treat, actually. I, I haven't heard that word uh, in a while when it comes to a message, but uh, I'm not going to be sharing with you today because I asked a gentleman uh, by the name of Kenny Engelking to come and share with you guys uh, just regarding whatever it was that the Lord has laid upon his heart. Ken is a semi-retired pastor. He's been in ministry a very long time. Uh, and he, uh, he also is very articulate and just a tiny bit snarky. So I am not solely... I am not solely accountable for the choices of who comes up on this pulpit. I also have elders. So if you have judgment with what comes out of his mouth, I, uh, you know, feel, free to, feel free to email. But I, I loved Thursday. I loved Thursday night service. And uh, I know that, that you're going to be blessed by this one as well. So would you please give a warm, kessed welcome to Ken Engelking. Thank you. Man, what a privilege to be here. I'm usually here on Thursday nights, but I also come a lot on Sunday mornings and kind of hide out in the balcony with the cool people. Is that the way the nine o'clock service is too? I see some cool people up there. I, of course, they, like me, tend to be a little bit more shy. That's my theory that people in the balcony go to hide out a little bit. Fact is, when my wife and I, Lori, we moved back to Vancouver after about 30 years, we started, you know, after COVID, started looking for a place to go. And we were looking, based on stuff, we were looking for a place where we could sort of sneak in and just hide out a little bit, you know, where maybe they wouldn't see us right away. So we snuck up on the balcony. That's why we're there. What I love, I should say, one of the things I really love about Kessid um, is that no matter who's up here, or musicians and speaker and all those things, um, but particularly Pastor Nanny and the teaching team, they keep trying to point us to the Lord, don't they? Don't you appreciate that about them? Yes. It does not matter week in and week out. And I love that. I love that no matter what they might be going through in a week. When we come here, we have a group of leaders that really want to help us to grow in the Lord. And it's like I heard that saying that says that the Lord loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us this way. And I feel that is the way about Kesed and how they view us. They accept us and they love us just the way we are, but they keep pointing us so that we grow. Don't you appreciate them? Let's thank them. Um, and then Super Bowl Sunday, I'm, my goodness, what a, what a big Sunday for football, right? <laughs> but for church, it's not so much. I mean, this is a great crowd today. It's, it really is. But typically, Super Bowl Sunday is the least attended church service of the year. It's not like Easter. Easter is the biggest day of the year for churches. You've got the music, you've got bonus features like a children's choir and maybe some free candy for the kids. And you always have the best speaker giving one of his best sermons on Easter, right? So Easter is the most people and the best speaker. <laughs> uh, you've already done the math. Uh, I'm just trying to manage your expectations that it is what it is. My wife, Lori, and I have been married, and she's sitting around out there. We have been married for around 37 years. 37 years. And it has been great. 
great for me, for sure. Effortless, no issue, never a problem. So if you don't got that, there's something wrong with you, I guess. No, I'm teasing about that. We have three great sons, or we have, we have two great sons, one who's on his way, but three daughter-in-laws, seven grandkids. But I want to show you our youngest son, Jackson, he just got married about three or four weeks ago. So this is Jackson and his brand new wife, Mackenzie, and she's awesome, my new daughter-in-law. And then the next picture is my son, Kenny and Alex, and that's them and their three kids. And then the next photo is my son, Michael, and his wife, Kristen, and their four kids, right? So I wanted to share a little bit about my family because I'm going to talk about them some. We also like the Seahawks quite a bit, so um, I'm torn today because I can't morally root for the 49ers. I have never rooted for the Chiefs. So I don't know what to do. What, what are you guys going to do? Is anybody really rooting for the 49ers here? Whatever. How about, how about the Chiefs? Anyone? Yeah. Okay. It's all right. I mean, it's, it's okay. I got, I'm looking forward to a good game and watching some great, great football day and being with friends. But I got a good football story for you. You down for a football story? This is a story about a small town, a small high school, where all the kids wanted to go out for the football team, but they weren't that good. And so in this small town, there was a young man who loved to put on the uniform, but he hated to practice. I mean, he loved to look the part, but he hated to play. He wasn't very good. He was just one of those dudes that just wanted to go out there, and he just basically sat on the bench. When it was time to do the running and the push-ups and all that stuff, he was just, frankly, lazy. Well... One day, towards the end of the season, by the way, they haven't won a game all year, and it's getting towards the last game of the season. It's the homecoming game, and, and the coach is just praying for a miracle, but it's probably not going to happen. And so this young man, uh, this slacker, the, he gets a note from home, and it's a sad note. And the note, of course, goes to the coach, and the coach brought the kid over and read the note to him. It says, dear son, your father's passed away please come home. So the boy went home. The next day rolls around, the day of the big game, and no one's expecting this young man who never played but always played the part. He came to the game, and he was all suited up. And the first thing he did is he walked right to the coach, says, Coach, please put me in the game. And the coach said, Son, I'm sorry. I know you're going through a lot, but I need my best players today, and you're not one of them. So halfway through towards the end of the first half, he went to the coach again, said, coach, please, I really want to play today. I'll do really good. I'll work really hard. And the coach firmly said, no, please go back to the bench. Frustrating game, but it still is a fairly close game. It got towards the end of the game, and the home, the home team was only down by three points. And the, by this time, the coach, not just the, the player, but the other players were asking the coach to put this young man in who had just lost his father. So finally, with just a little bit of time left, um, the coach called the kid over. said, you're going in, and you're going in on defense, right? So I'll stop. Seahawk fans, defense is when... <laughs> defense is when you try to stop the other team from scoring, right? So I want to catch you up, catch me up. 
So the kid goes out, first play at, at, from linebacker, the linebacker position, he makes the tackle and just sticks a guy and just hurts him. You know, it was a sick tackle. The next play from scrimmage, from the linebacker spot, this guy, this kid, who we didn't even know he could knew what a football was, he intercepts a pass. He runs it back and believe it or not, with the clock ticking down, runs it back for a touchdown, gets a pick sick. So the game is over. Everyone's screaming. The team got its first victory on homecoming Friday and everybody's yelling. They put him up on their shoulders. They march him around. All that stuff is over and the coach walks up to the young man and the young man walks up to the coach and the coach says, son, I have never seen anything like that. I did not know you had it in you. And the young man looked at the coach, says, coach, you know my dad? And the coach said, yeah, son, I know. He goes, well, coach, what you don't know is my dad was blind. And today was the first time he got to see me play. I don't know what motivates you to enter into life, to recover from the falls, to get back on track. I don't know what it is in your life that helps you to um, jump back in the game. I know sometimes when you're out of that for a while, out of, out of being on the right place in your life, it's hard to get back on. But what I'm hoping to do this morning is simply to help you and to remind you of what it means to walk with the Lord. And some of you here are probably just doing fine, but maybe not everybody. And maybe some of you have lost your way. And maybe some of you are, you know what that right path is, but you realize for one reason or another, you've not been on that path, but you know what the right path is. And maybe today would be an encouragement for you to, to hop on that path that the Lord has for us. So we're gonna, do, we're gonna look at this verse. It's in Psalm 119, it says this. It says, I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. Read that with me, okay? I run in the path of your command. Let's stop. We got to try harder. <laughs> Let's say it with me. I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. Isn't that a great verse? You know, we're going to memorize that verse together today. And it's not going to be very difficult. But we're going to memorize it. But I want to back up and give you just a little bit of context of that verse. And a little of that section of Psalm 19. Psalm, sorry, Psalms 119. It says this. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Now, that's a pretty great psalm. I mean, it should be on our playlist for sure. And you can see how this section starts with the psalmist who is humbled and down in the dumps, laid low in the dust, asking that God would give him grace. Does it sound like anybody you know? 
Maybe it's you. How many of you at some point in your life have been humbled and laid low in the dust? Yeah, probably, depending how you define that, most of us. How many have been sad? All right. How many are sad today? Well, it's hard to say it, but thank you. Tired. You've been deceived. You've been tricked. How many wish you could go back in time and, and fix one thing or two things? Yeah. Maybe that's the way the psalmist felt. The psalmist comes across when he starts just, just bum, like, I have been through the ringer in my life. And he seems to process how he would get back on track. And then he finally comes back with this last verse in the section that says, I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. How many people um, like to run? How many people like me love to run and do it all the time? <laughs> Am I the only one lying here? You knew that right when I walked on stage, didn't you? You're like, that guy does not run. I don't care what he says. Now, I don't even really like runners, to be honest. You know, I, I don't know that running is a normal thing. Anyone here ever run a marathon? You got a 26.2 sticker on your car? No. A 13.1 sticker even, any 5K, anybody? 5K, yeah. I don't know how far that is, but I've heard it's like a 50-yard dash, right? <laughs> no one knows how long a 5K is, but... So we don't have a lot of runners here, so let me just dive in and say, are runners weird? No, they're not. <laughs> but, you know, Kesset is that church where we have... We have a place for everybody, for Niners fans. You're welcome here. <laughs> He's a big guy. I'm just kidding, man. You know? <laughs> if you're, uh, you know, having gambling problems or hurts, habits, hang-ups, you know, we're, you're welcome here. Runners are welcome here. And we put you in a special group with the CrossFitters. For sure, you should think about joining a community group, though. We don't have a special one for, you know, CrossFitters, but community groups are pretty cool. My wife and I, we host one and with young adults, and we enjoy it. And you guys may think about, I know you've heard it a couple times already today, but man, I mean, we're going to talk about running the race and running on the path of God's command. You're going to find out you don't do it alone. There's part of it that's solo work, but there's a lot of it that's not. And that's one way that we really can help one another out. So like I said, I don't run, but seriously, I do, sometimes I'll see a runner. Now, honestly, most runners I see running on the road, they look like they're in misery, man. They look miserable, you know. They look like they want to start crying, you know. <laughs> However, I have seen runners run. I mean, not just Olympic runners. I've seen people run that really run, man, and I see them, and I, I'm impressed. And I, it, I am jelly that they can run so well. And it makes me think, man, they just make it look you know, so easy. So I don't think I'll ever be that or really ever want to do that. But I will tell you this, while I don't run, what I do do is ride. I like to ride motorcycles. And I get the same feeling that the runners get. I just get it a lot faster. And 
motors, riding motorcycles, I don't know if it makes me feel younger. Not that I'm that old, but I'm 59 years old. It makes me feel young. It takes me back to my youth. When I was a youngster, I grew up here in this town, and I grew up on the mean streets of Salmon Creek. <laughs> back before there were all that traffic. And so, you know, a couple bucks would get me um, a tank of gas for my motorcycles, a pack of smokes, and a candy bar. And that's how in sixth and seventh grade I spent my childhood. And it was, <laughs> I'm not kidding, it was great. It was great. And that's how, I, and so when I ride a motorcycle now, I just, it brings me back to just a happy time in my life. The psalmist says, I run. There are some people that think that in the original language, that word run is where we get our English word, Harley Davidson. I don't know if that's true. What is probably true is that there were chariots in the Bible, right? It's mentioned twice. They had two wheels, right? And they had at least a couple horsepower. So it's a very biblical message today, people. Some of my favorite days are spent and have been spent on a motorcycle. I love riding uh, in the mountains, on forest roads, trails on a dirt bike, discovering new places. We did a lot of camping when I was a kid and explored on motorcycles, but riding my Harley with friends in the Arizona desert or central Oregon, the Olympic Peninsula, the canyons in Southern California, the Coachella Valley and Joshua Tree National Park, some great rides. And it's great because of who I'm with and who I'm doing life with at that time. I'm sure I'd feel the same way if I was running, you know, like Forrest Gump. But no, probably not. My favorite thing right now is riding with my grandkids. I showed you some pictures and man, riding with my grandkids, you know, ever since they were just, just, just before their parents really wanted me to do it, I would set them up on my motorcycle and we'd ride around our property on a little dirt bike and they'd be so happy and they'd be giggling and they'd say, Bapa, don't go too fast. But then they'd giggle like crazy when I did and they would figure out what route they wanted me to take. And we have one hill on our property. It's called, we call it Muddy Mama. You know, it joins a couple of pastures and sometimes they want to go up Muddy Mama and sometimes they don't. And Muddy Mama actually is really muddy. I tried to get up it twice yesterday and I crashed both times. So it's a little adventure when you go on these little guys. Now that they're some of them are older, um, they have their own dirt bikes. And so when they ride, um, when they ride with us at our property, it is just one of my favorite things. And when I think about feeling free and happy and content, it's riding a motorcycle with one of my grandkids. It's just, it's just magical. I just think to myself, Lord, this could not be any better. You could not have blessed me any more in my life, but to help me enjoy this moment right now. So I don't run, but I ride. And when I ride, there are times that I just feel so free and so good and so happy. I run is what we're talking about today. Everyone say, I run. All right, you've got some of the verse memorized right there. Try it one more time. I run. So the idea here is, man, if we're running, then, then we're getting on a path somewhere, right? 
If you're not on the path following the Lord right now, think in your mind, well, how would I get back on that path? Where does it start? What motivates me to get on that path? Well, you've got to start somewhere. That's what I'd say. And I'd like for you to think about how you're going to start. The rest of that verse says, I run on the path of your commands. Say that with me. I run on the path of your commands. One more time. I run on the path of your commands. And then without the slide, I run on the path of your commands. All right. Good job so far. The psalmist here expresses that there is a path. And every, every one of us, every runner, everyone that's riding a bike, everyone that's flying, they need a path to go on. And we run on that path. And there's a lot in the scriptures about paths, roads, and steps, and direction. There's a wide path that leads to destruction. There's a wide and narrow gate, or the narrow path that leads to life. We read that God makes known to us the path of life. Your word is a light on my path. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So Jesus really puts us on the right path. So when I say the phrase, and when the psalmist says the phrase, I run on the path of your commands, the idea here is that there is a path for us to be on. And it's the path following the things of the Lord. Can I tell you just a little, another grandkid thing? Just, why not? What are you going to say, right? <laughs> yeah, so part of riding dirt bikes, you know, is falling, you know, not street bikes, but dirt bikes. You're going to fall. So with my grandkids at ride, we taught, we go do a little moto school, you know, where I said, well, you're going to have to go over this stick. And then I put a bigger stick and then pretty soon it's a little log. And we, I, I helped them learn that. In, in these trails, there's going to be obstacles just like life. And you got to figure out how to get through some rocks, up a muddy hill, how to go over a log. And then I, and then I taught them how to, how to, not how to fall, but how to respond when you fall. You know, because if you're, you're little and even it's a little motorcycle that falls on you, it can be kind of traumatic, you know. So even though they're geared up. They got to learn that when the motorcycle falls, how do I get this motorcycle off me? And what if I come upon, in this case, my brother or my cousin, and they've got the motorcycle on them. What am I supposed to do? So I went over with them how to ride to a spot and safely get off your motorcycle and walk and run over to them and make sure their motorcycle is turned off and begin to lift it off them so they could learn how to respond when you're riding a motorcycle because you fall and you get dirty and you get bloody and you cry. I mean, I'm not going to admit to crying, you know, but, you know, some of these guys might. I don't know. No one's going to admit that, but, but, hey, life is hard and sometimes you cry, okay? You fall and you get scraped up. So I taught him that when the adventure is over, when, when the session is over and you bring the bikes back into the barn and you're taking off your gear, I taught him one expression that they say to each other, that they have to look each other in the eye and with the fist bump, they have to say, good moto. Okay, say that with me, good moto. Turn to the person next to you and say, good moto. <laughs> the idea is that, man... We have experienced some stuff together and we've been through it, but we're back and we're safe and maybe we're hungry or tired or, or cold, wet, and muddy, but we made it. We made it together 
and now we've got an experience that we share together. We had a good motto. And then they begin to swap stories about, well, when that fell over and I didn't know, I didn't see that branch and it hit me right in the head or whatever the story it is that they share. We've learned that part of it is getting through it together because we've, we've all been through stuff. Anybody here been through stuff? Yeah. Kind of funny we have these injuries and if you're old like me, I've accumulated some injuries. And recently I went in for a, recently, I mean, in the last couple of years, I was getting a CAT scan and, or an x-ray, I can't remember which. I've been, had a lot in the last couple of years. And they asked me this question. So, well, Ken, when did, you didn't say that you broke your back on your little report, your pre-report for the CAT scan. I said, I broke my back. And they said, yeah, looks like you broke your back. And I didn't know that I broke, I know I hurt my back one time really bad on a motorcycle crash, but I didn't know I had broken my back. And when they look inside, they see your stuff. They saw broken ribs, a broken back. They saw remnants of trauma that you have gone through in your life by looking inside at these scans and x-rays. They can tell some of what you've been through, but what it doesn't show them medically is the stuff that they can't see. Results from things like emotional pain, Abuse from childhood, regrets, and shame. Because, you know, that's all sort of, that's just tucked in there. And you don't always see that in one another, but we all know that it's there. And yet it's not that it doesn't, it hides. It never hides. It comes out in different ways. My point is we've all got this stuff sort of on the inside and it's tucked in. And so that's why we have to stay on the path of God. I have to keep following Jesus. And you have to keep following Jesus if you're a Jesus follower because when it gets difficult and when it gets hard and when you want to stop and give up and get off the path, more than ever, we've got to remember all the things that we've gone through in our life and that God is always good and is always worth it for us to stop and think and try our best to get on the right path. That's what I want to encourage you to think about today. The psalm says, say it with me, I run on the path of your commands. Let's, let's, let's read it again together and then we'll, see, we'll memorize it together. Read it, read it. I run on the path of your commands. And then without the slide, I run on the path of your commands. Yeah. So what were, the, what were the commands? Well, when the psalm was written, Psalm 119, those commands were everything that we had up until that time in terms of scripture that they knew. They had the, the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so when we read about the psalmist saying, I run on the path of your commands, it was all those things, but it wasn't necessarily just the things that were written. It was things that were pointing to Things that were pointing to the Lord. It was the God of the commandments. It was the God of what they had in terms of the word. It was all the things of the Lord. So maybe I'm being a, a little bit um, generous here, but when you think about running on the path of his commands, just think about the things of the Lord. All the things you know to be true about Jesus, about the Father, about the scriptures the thing that brought you to the Lord in the beginning, 
Think about those things. In John 14, uh, we'll, we'll bump in there for a second. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and I'll just say it was one of those, it's one of these passages, maybe a little bit of a tense moment. Um, the disciples were basically losing their stuff. You know, they were, they were freaking out and worried about a lot of things in the future. They didn't know. So you see Jesus very lovingly, but very intentionally trying to calm them down. And they had questions, and they were sort of, you know, Peter was talking about how he, you know, he'd never depart from Jesus and that Jesus said, oh, I'm going away. And Peter's like, I'm going. And Jesus said, oh, not really. Uh, Philip has a pretty important question and Thomas has an important question. And as if to sort of settle everybody down, Jesus says this, he says this, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. That is Jesus' words to the disciples when they were all upset as a reminder that, and as a reminder to us that when we talk about following the path of God's commands, it's about following the word that we know, the word that we helps us to grow, the scriptures that we have learned. It's all of the things that help us to follow hard after the Lord. There was a big difference between Psalm 119 and, and John 14 in that what the disciples had is they had everything they needed. Almost, I will say in this way, in, first, in Second Peter we read this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So the idea is that when Jesus spoke this to the disciples, they knew that um, obeying all the time was going to be difficult. And so Jesus tells them something else. He says this down in John 14. He says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So let me go back to the memory verse that says, I run in the path of your commands, right? Say that with me. I run in the path of your commands. And the last part says this, for you have set my heart free. Say that, for you have set my heart free. One more time, for you have set my heart free. So altogether, it says this without any slide, I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. What is a free heart? What does it mean to have your heart set free? Other versions talk about how our heart is enlarged and made bigger because of really what God is teaching us and that's sort of the truth. It's kind of like the more we know, the more we grow or maybe it's the more we grow, the more we know, but you know how it works. The more that we trust the Lord, the more he gives us things. And so Jesus promises in John 14 to reveal himself to us as we walk in obedience. So getting on the path of God's commands is just another way to say we're sort of walking in obedience. We're taking what we know and we're going with it. You know, we're not trying to walk some other path. We're not trying to walk two paths. 
We're trying to stay on the path of God and walk that way. So what is a free heart? A free heart is a forgiven heart. A free heart is one that is free from guilt and free from the penalty of sin. Someone that's been set free by Jesus because we know who the son sets free is free indeed. And freedom is not being able to, freedom is not that we are able to do whatever we want. Freedom is being able to do everything that we ought to do. No longer a slave and no longer held captive. The Holy Spirit promised to the disciples here and delivered later, man, the Holy Spirit is everything. The Holy Spirit is everything to help us to stay on the path. I can't wait for our new series to start next week. It's going to be really good for me, and I know it's going to be really good for you to remind us of these things, that God gave us a helper. And, you know, sometimes you just feel like you're doing it all alone. Well, we never are. We have the Holy Spirit. We have each other. We have a church family. So the verse that I taught you, that I taught on is Psalm 119, and let's say it together. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Let me just close out this morning. I want to show you guys in a minute, we're going to see a video. And I want to set the video up and tell you that in 1992 in the Olympics in Barcelona, this is what has now become what they say is one of the greatest moments in Olympic history about a runner. And in this video, you're going to see a runner start get injured, and fall. And we'll talk about this video afterwards. So let's watch this video.
Yeah, I don't know what you think about when you see that video, but there's a lot there. Sometimes I really identify with Derek Redmond, the runner. I'm cruising along. Of course, I'm not running, but, and I fall, and I fall, bloody knees, get scraped up. Derek Redmond, his whole life, he wanted to be an Olympic champion. And the funny thing is, we don't even know who, I mean, someone does. I don't know. I don't care who won that race because I see a guy running and I see a father who comes down the stands. I don't know what kind of fighting he had to do to get down to the track. I know he had to fight off two or three guys just to stay down there and he got his son and apparently the dialogue went something like this. When he finds his son there on the track, he says, son, you don't have to do this. And Derek said to his dad, I have to finish the race. And his father said, well, then I'll help you. I'll help you. And he puts his arm around his and they start going across. And finally, the son said to the dad, dad, you got to get me over in lane five. You got to get me in the right lane. So we got this path that we're on, folks. This path of the Lord and the things of the Lord. And whether you've fallen, you're scraped up, maybe you're, maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I am so far off the path. I don't think that God would come and pick me up. I want to tell you he will and he does, no matter where you are. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you're feeling today, we have a loving God who will do that and so much more to help us to finish the race. We have a good, forgiving God full of grace. And if you've fallen down and been scraped up, you got a broken back, a broken heart, a broken spirit, well, it's not over. And it's not too late for you to get back in the game. And it's not too soon to get on the right path. And it's not too late to be free. Let's pray together. Father, we are reminded, not just in that video, but in the scriptures, how good you are and forgiving. And we have, we have no way even of staying on the path, Lord, if it weren't for your love and your grace. You put us there through the forgiveness of sins through your son, Jesus. So we're grateful for the hope that we have that we can continue. Though we stumble, though we fall, though we struggle, Father, you give us hope for a new and renewed walk with you. So Lord, we want to do that today. We commit ourselves to it. We commit ourselves to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? And there's just three things I want to tell you. It'll just take a second. This verse in Philippians says this, and take this to heart. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ.
okay? God is still working if you're willing to let him work. The second thing is we're going to say our memory verse together, all right? You ready? I walk in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. I said walk. You guys know what I mean. I can't even say run. That's how much I hate it. You guys are going to go up. One more thing I want to say sincerely, good moto. We'll see you next week.